stand together and we'll sing there's no one like our God he searches the heavens or he stretches the heavens he stretches the Great. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. No one like our God. And He became me so that I might become Him by can come down from the ramparts of glory to where you and I are, to where we were, come to us to pick us up and to bring us unto himself. Oh my, he's so wonderful. We just want to worship him this morning and give him praise with our lips, with our breath, with our everything. We want to sing unto him for he is worthy of our praise. He came to me. He came to you. Oh my, what a wonderful God, what a mighty God. Oh, that everlasting Father, that eternal one, that Prince of Peace, that Counselor, that Righteous One who came to where we were. Oh, we want to bless His name this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's sing that again this morning. Oh, He became me. So that I might become Him by grace. Lord Jesus, wonderful Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We'll invite the brothers to come forward to take up the offering at this time. Um, I just have a couple of prayer requests here to uh, make known. Um, testimony here from Sister Grace Beattie. She just wants to thank the Lord for the prayers for her mom um, concerning her uh, her uh, financial help in New Zealand. And um, there's been a family that's going to step up to help. And also, Brother Paul had a doctor follow-up and no sign of cancer. And thank the Lord for that. Praise God. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. 
also have a testimony from Brother Norm Wood. Just wants to thank the Lord for helping him through the trial and making him well again. And we're so happy to have you here this morning, Brother Norm. Just so grateful for God's mercy and grace to to our brother and to each and every one. And then Brother Marco also has a request in here for his um, his cousin in South Carolina who's in a real bad state. Um, he's got uh, COVID and he's got pneumonia. And um, in South Carolina, the hospitals are very, very busy and full. And uh, I guess they've been to the hospital three times and he hasn't been able to get in, which is really quite serious. Hasn't been able to lay down to sleep because he loses his breath, stops breathing. So the family's under a lot of pressure. Let's just bring that to the Lord this morning. God is a deliverer. God is our healer. And COVID, doesn't matter what name they give a disease, COVID is no different than the common cold in the eyes of God. Amen? That's where it's at. It doesn't matter to God. God can heal that man in a moment. Raise him up, deliver him, set his lungs free so that he can breathe freely. And we believe that in the name of Jesus Christ for all of our needs. There's nothing too hard for God. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Brother Michael, could I ask you to come and pray this morning, please? Appreciate you, brother. Amen. You have a need. Let's raise it before the Lord this morning. Heavenly Father, this morning we do enter your gates with thanksgiving and praise this morning, Lord. Lord, you taught us to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Lord, we approach you with praise. We approach you with worship. We approach you with honor and adoration. We don't come, Lord, just bringing our needs. And Lord, we want to praise you for you've healed us before. You've delivered us before. Lord, the testimonies have come before the prayer. Brother Norm, Lord, Sister Grace. And I know there's many others, Lord, that you've touched their needs. You've brought them through a dark time. The valley of the shadow of death even. But Lord, we fear no evil for thou art with us, Lord. Thy rod and thy staff, it comforts us, O God. So, Lord, we approach you this morning. We have needs, Lord, again, but you are the all-powerful, mighty God. Lord, no one like unto our God, whose voice, Lord, is like thunder. Lord, it spreads through the heavens, Lord. Lord, we sung that song this morning, and Lord, we need that that mighty God. We need your healing power this morning, Lord. Even, Lord, a testimony coming through our text this morning. Lord, of a sister, Lord, whose little one was delivered, Lord, epilepsy and couldn't walk, Lord, and walked, oh God. Lord, your power is moving amongst your bride. Lord, it doesn't matter where it is. It's you, Lord, always you. And so, Lord, we're calling, Lord, on you this morning. Would you meet Brother brother Jacques' need, Lord, Brother Marco's cousin, oh God. Lord, we've, we've prayed over and over. You've met us, Lord, in this demon of COVID. You've kept our people safe, Lord, and brought us through. And for that, we give you the, the utter thanks, oh God, from the depths of our heart. Lord, how many have gone through it, but you've raised us and delivered us out of it all. So, Lord, one more time, we bring this need before you, Lord. Lord, he's on. Lord, he can't breathe at night. He can't sleep at night. Family, Lord, restless and trying to watch over. Oh, peace of God, would you enter that little home? Lord, would you come down in their little room? Would your presence, Lord, so so fill them, Lord? May they know you've stepped on this scene to meet the need, oh God. Clear his lungs, Lord. Pull the fluid out, 
Lord, oh God. Lord, give him clear and easy breathing, Lord. Lord, you are the healer, the creator, as we pondered on Wednesday, cell upon cell, tissue upon tissue. Lord, you are fearfully and wonderfully made by a fearful God who can annihilate the demon of COVID. Lord, so we pray this morning, you meet that need, oh God, in Jesus Christ's name, rebuking you, devil. Lord, go back to the pit of hell where you came from. And our mighty God will give all, give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise, Lord Jesus. Lord, take control of this service. Have your way. Take Brother Tim in the palm of your hand, O oh God. Lord, not a man. Lord, that we would hear man's thoughts. But Lord, a gift you've given us that you can take control of, O oh God. Use his lips, Lord. Take control of his thoughts, O oh God. Lord, and deliver a word that we need for this day. Not for yesterday's day, but for this day, O oh God. For we need strength and power and might, Lord, to go forward in this day and age. So we commit this service. All that would transpire in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Take up the offering. Praise God. We have uh, some visitors here I'd just like to welcome. Um, Each and every one of you, I'd like to welcome you all. So glad, glad that you're here and uh, just see the, the church is full of people. That is wonderful compared to six months or a year ago when I was standing here looking at a large screen and it felt very alone. But I'm so glad to be able to hear your voices singing in the congregation. Amen. Hallelujah. There's no one like our God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So, we have visitors from Quebec, um, Brother Gabriel Boucher and Sister Jessica, Jessica Funk. They have moved here for a period of time. Just wave your hand wherever you are. Sister Jessica over there, Brother Gabriel right there, yes. <clears throat> moved here for uh, a period of time and visiting this week is uh, Sister Rachel Adette and Sister Rachel Demores from Brother Steve Brisson's church also in Quebec. Is that them right there? Amen. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Amen. I believe that was all for announcements and that. All right. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Praise the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? We have an anchor. An unmovable, unshakable, unreprovable, unlimited glory. We don't serve a God that's in a box. No, sir. He's unlimited. And we don't want to put him in a box either. We don't want to put a period at the end. We want to move on with God wherever he leads us. We're just going to hold to his hand. And if it's through the fire, we're just going to hold to to his hand. If it's through the water, we're going to hold to His hand. Amen. We're going to go on with God. Amen. Wherever He's going to take us. Hallelujah. We don't know what's laying ahead of us. We're not promised a flowery bed of ease or a bed of roses. We're promised it's going to be a rugged walk. But we have a God of the rugged walk. Amen. He'll walk with us through the valley of the shadow of death. He's our great shepherd. Amen. Glory. Oh, time is filled with 
rejoicing in the camp. There's victory in the camp. The sound of praise in the camp. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory, 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 glory. Amen and amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, let's invite Brother Tim and he can just come in here and feel free. The Holy Spirit's here. We're ready to hear the word. Amen. Let's sing. The name of the Lord is a strong town. The name of the Lord is a strong town.
Have you run into him this morning? Amen. That's who we've run to. We haven't run into Cloverdale Bible Way. We've run into him. Amen. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Cloverdale Bible Way is a weak people. But the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Amen. Glory to his name. Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Well, you know, I feel like we could just sing all morning. We'll get Brother Michael up here, take over, and we'll just sing away the service. Rejoice in the Lord. Amen. Good to see each and every one here this morning. Greet you all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to bring you greetings from Boston. Brother David Combo. Uh, the pastor there, and many of the ministers there, Brother Craig Boer, um, different brothers, Brother Simon Peter, Brother uh, Samuel, I don't know his last name. Uh, do you know his last name? I'll put you on the spot there. <laughs> Amen. Uh, Brother um, Bin Matumba, and uh, Matumbo, I think it is, and different ones from the different areas. Actually, in that part of the world, northeastern United States, most of the believers are immigrants from Africa. From all the churches, most of the majority of them are now immigrants from Africa. In other words, the Americans are a bunch of heathens. Excuse me, my American brother. Brother Israel, it's good to see you here this morning. Your son Zoe, God bless you. Nothing against. There are some believers from the American side. And uh, we're glad to see. I think I saw Sister Julie. There she is. God bless you. Brother Jeff is here at his post of duty. God bless you. And... Oh, it's just good to be in the house of the Lord. And we had wonderful meetings in Boston, right from the beginning, right from the opening service, and uh, uh, right from the opening scripture, actually. Brother David was telling us that there was a little sister in his church, uh, an elderly sister, and she had just gone through a week that she felt like her whole life was falling apart, and just the, everything was coming to an end, and she didn't know where to turn except to the Lord. And she says, a scripture came on my mind. And the scripture was, godliness with contentment is great gain. And so when I stepped up to the pulpit in the first service and I said, I want to take an unusual scripture for special meetings, but let's turn to, I think it's Second Timothy, godliness with contentment is great gain. She knew God was speaking to her. Isn't he a personal God? I believe he'll speak to each one of us this morning if we desire him to. Amen. Amen. We just had a wonderful time. Brother Murphy preached some wonderful services. Brother David always allows us to share the burden of missions over there in northeastern United States. The meetings are in Boston, but it pulls from Maine and Rhode Island and Connecticut and the the, the surrounding states. And so we just had a wonderful wonderful time in the Lord and we're expecting the same today I told brother Murphy really he should be preaching this morning but uh, you know there are sometimes ministers disagree with each other and we disagreed with each other (laughs) well we thank God let's take our Bibles together and turn if you would turn with me to the book of James this morning Thank you to the musicians. James chapter 1. Verse 
Amen. Let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer together. As we just uh, quiet our spirits this morning, just let the Lord have His way. Heavenly Father, the sanctuary now is quiet, Lord. Your people are waiting to hear from You. Not just to read the Scriptures, Lord, but Father, we know that we have a Father. We know that we have a lover of our souls. We know that we have one that cares for us. Lord, though all men forsake us, you still care for us, O God. Though our world turn upside down like that little sister in Boston, Lord, you kept telling to her, just be content. I'm with you. Just don't worry. I've got everything under control. And Lord, you came down in the meeting and ministered to her, O Lord. Not some natural ministry, but a supernatural ministry that only the Holy Spirit can orchestrate and bring things into line the way that you would desire them to be. And so, Father, as you alone are the discerner of the thoughts and intents of every heart, we want to yield ourselves to you. Not just the speaker, Lord, though the speaker especially. We pray for the speaker, Lord. That as Brother Michael prayed this morning, we're not interested in the thoughts of a man. Lord, we don't want to look at the word from a man's perspective. But Lord, we want you to illuminate us from a heavenly perspective. Lord, give us your thoughts. Give us your expression, not just in a general sense, but in a very specific sense. You can drop a word in to a service, Lord, and, and, and direct it right to the targeted individual so that they know that that was for them individually, as only you can do it, Father. We're, as ministers, we're blind to it many times. We, we often don't see it, but then we hear afterwards something was directly said to somebody that's you lord and you are the lovely one and we give you the glory and we give you the praise and we ask now fathers we turn back the pages of your word bless the speaker and the hearer lord you see the needs you see the burdens we give ourselves to you in jesus christ's name amen and amen james chapter 1 and verse 1 james a servant of god and of the lord jesus christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your patience, of your faith rather, worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And now, Like any preacher, he interjects something here, but he picks up the thought again in verse 12, and we'll jump right to verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised for them, to them rather, that love him. Amen. The Lord had his blessing to the word. You may be seated. Uh, I titled it this morning on the internet, The the Crown of Your Life. I I thought of giving it a title, The People with Crowns. The People with Crowns. And you know, when we get on the other side, when it's all said and done, and 
time has run out and the millennium has passed and, and all of the dead rise in the second resurrection and stand before the great judgment throne of the son of David and, and, and our, uh, their lives are declared before them and some of them will receive eternal life for various reasons. Some of them will receive life because they were good to the elect. Brother Branham says many will be judged by what they did with what they knew. There are many that did not hear what you or I have heard. Blessed are our ears for they hear. Blessed are our eyes for they see. But there will be many that never heard this gospel and in the remote tribes in the different places of the world down through the ages. But, but throughout the ages everybody knew there is a God in heaven. And they'll give answer for what they, what they, uh, responded with what they knew. And they'll all stand before the, the great throne, but there'll be another people gathered in the throne. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, Jesus said. Even as I have overcome and sat in my Father's throne. And so there'll be a people in the throne and these people will have crowns. And who are these people? I believe I'm looking at these people. I'm looking at the elect of God and that's what makes a minister nervous is because we realize that we're standing in front of the elect of God holding the words of eternal life. Lord, help us if we make a mistake. We don't want to make a mistake. We don't want to lead people in a wrong direction. We don't want to introduce a wrong thought, but still realizing that even if we're in our humanness, we make a mistake, the Holy Spirit is able to override it and bring it all back in line because we're not looking to follow the words of a man. We're looking for the revelation of the Holy Spirit in the midst of God's people. We have come today to a supernatural and an eternal event and we realize it's the Word of God that is eternal and it is supernatural and we hang on for that Word. And we are the people of God that know that Word. She recognizes that Word. Jesus said, My sheep know My voice. A stranger they will not follow. And so we're not here just to follow. We're here to hear a voice. We're here to know a voice and we're here to follow the one that has that voice. Amen. Amen. So there'll be a people with crowns. James says, of course, he says that, he says, Blessed is the man that endures temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. Now he's not, he's not writing in the scripture and the scripture is not telling us in We'll often say James, and I'll refer to some other brothers in the Scripture here in a moment. But when we say James is saying, we're saying James penned this down as he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. All right? And as he's writing this down, he, it's not written that, that uh, uh, when you have a trial, then you receive a crown. No, that's not what it's written about. But rather it's written that there will come trials in your life. There will be things that God in His omniscient, all-knowing thoughts knows that you have need of to mold your life. But the purpose of those trials and the purpose of those things that you will go through is that you will receive a crown of life. They're all designed to bring you to that place because God 
has a crown for you. And so he starts out as he says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. In other words, there are various temptations. There are both many and they're varied. And the temptation or the trial of this one is not going to be the trial of this one. And the trial of that one will differ from another. And your specific trial is designed for your specific purpose and your specific place in life and your specific character. And by the way, don't worry, I'm not preaching about trials this morning. I'm just starting out here. And so when we realize that all of these things take place in our lives, they have a purpose. And so when we realize they have a purpose and we can count it all joy. Say, praise God, here's another trial with a purpose. Now, the Bible is not telling us that the trial will be joyful. All right? I don't want you to think I'm preaching, you know, when you have a trial, you're going to feel good about it. No, a lot of times you won't feel good about it. A lot of times you'll feel rough. A lot of times you'll go through downcast times. And sometimes it'll be for extended periods of time. And you wonder why it lingers and lingers and lingers. And why it is that you have to go through what you go through. But knowing the God that is your Father, you realize, Lord, you have a purpose in this. There's something about this that you're molding my life and bringing me to a place that is better than the place I have now. All right. So he says in verse four, let your patient, let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire. All right. Now, perfect is the word, of course, many times been preached on. There's two perfects. One is perfect as in without error and another is perfect as in complete or fulfilled. And that's this word. So that the trial, the patience that comes from the trial have its work in your life that you may come to that place of perfection or completion and fulfillment. Your life has a purpose. Every one of you, your life has a purpose. Your purpose is different from my purpose. And, and, and uh, you know, Brother David, he brought up the family altar books over there in, in Boston. We, we wrote those many years ago. Uh, hard to say wrote them, compiled them is a better word. And... Uh, uh, the, the family devotional books. And I was, I had met with a brother after the first one had come out and brother Paul LaFontaine, many of you know him. And he says, you know, brother Tim, he says, uh, I was thinking of doing something like that. And, and I, I said to him, I wish you would have, because then I wouldn't have had to, you see, sometimes we have a purpose in life and we'd rather not do it. Sometimes it takes a lot of work. Sometimes it takes a lot of effort, and we'd rather that somebody do it. Am I the only one that feels that way? But we have a purpose. You have a purpose. You may not even know your purpose yet, or you may not know it in its entirety. But let your trial bring you to the perfection or the fulfillment of what it's intended to be. But then it also says perfect and entire. I love this word entire. That you may be perfect and entire. Entire in its root means a full allotment. Or a full portion. You see if you don't go through trials. 
there, there's blessings and there's portions of your potential that remain unfulfilled until you go through that. God has an allotment for you. God has, I'll say, an expansion for you. God has has much for you. But in order to expand you, it's not the way of the world. God doesn't use education. God doesn't send us to university. God doesn't give us some kind of higher thing of trying to take man's wisdom. That's not it. God uses trials. God uses temptations. God uses things that are not easy to go through because He's building a wealth of experience and victory in your life that He will bring the full blessing out of your life. The full portion, the full allotment. Hallelujah. How many want a full allotment? Amen. How many want another trial? (laughs) I kind of led them out on that limb, didn't I? Praise the Lord. You know, Peter picks up the thought in 1 Peter chapter 5. He says to the elders, he says, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And then the chief shepherd, and when rather the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Amen. So there's a a crown to the purpose in your life. Peter speaking very narrowly to the ministry, but it's the same for everybody. Take your place. Be the best whatever it is you are. Be the best mother you can be. Be the best father you can be. Be the best son or daughter you can be. God calls you to be a plumber. Be the best plumber you can be. If God calls you to be a a teacher, be the best teacher you can be. Whatever God calls you to in life, it's your calling. Take it seriously. It's from the Lord. We don't serve men. We serve God. All that we do, we do it as unto the Lord, the scripture says. And so we realize that, that, that we, we work diligently even if we're the only one. Well, brother Tim, my job is to make widgets in a factory. That's all I do. Well, then be a, the best widget maker there is in this world and do it as unto the Lord. Do it as though every widget the Holy Spirit himself was going to inspect. Is that too much for you? No, that's the way God wants us to be. It's unto Him. It's unto the Lord. If you're looking for a fast, fiery service, you came to the wrong one. That was Wednesday night. I take a breath once in a while. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Paul writes about it too in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run 
that you may obtain. You're in a race. Don't relax. Even if you don't feel like it, don't relax. You might, you might feel like laying down because you're out of breath. Don't lay down. Stand there. Having done all to stand, stand there for. Even if you can't move, you can stand. Say, well, I'm going to stand right here until God tells me to take another step. I'm going to stand in this race. I'm going to keep fighting until God says to lay down your sword. I'm going to keep working until God says to stop working. He might, I might be called the 11th hour worker, but I'm going to work. I'm going to labor. I'm going to do what God gives me to do, and I'm going to do it with all my strength. And if I have no strength left, I'm going to stand. And I'm going to encourage somebody else. Go. Preach it. Live it. Take care of your children. Be a parent. Be a good father. Be a good husband. Be a good mother. Be a good wife. All of those things. I'm going to encourage. If I can't run anymore, I'll stand there. And I'll encourage others. I'll be a cheerleader if I can't do nothing else. If I have to stand on the sideline, I'll say, go for it. I'm with you. Amen. I want somebody to make it. Even as Brother Branham said, even if I didn't have the faith to do it, I'd encourage somebody else to have the faith to do it. Amen. Let, let, let someone else be the overcomer. Let someone else lead the way. Amen. Just encourage them and, and press on with them and be with them and shoulder to shoulder and be in prayer for them. We appreciate the prayers. We appreciate the prayer meeting. But you're being in prayer for that God will move in somebody's life. God will do something and God will take glory. You know, we're, we're in an hour. I want to, I want to jump ahead, but I'll stay with Paul just for a moment. He says, every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. All right. You don't, you don't go to excess. You don't go too far this direction or too far that direction. You take care of yourself. You don't become, you know, as Brother Bram says, you can do anything too much except prayer. You can preach too long, in other words. I thought I'd get a lot of amens on that one. That didn't go over very well. You can preach too long. You can fellowship too long. That's getting quiet in here. There's a, there's a, a camera right here. Maybe I'll preach this direction. You know, you can shout too long. You can dance too long. Nothing wrong with dancing in the right manner. You know, you can do all kinds of things too long, but you never pray too long. Pray always. Pray without ceasing, the scripture says. Amen. Pray. Be in a constant attitude of prayer. I'll talk a little bit maybe about a constant attitude of worship as well. But you know, he says, he says, every man that striveth for mastery is temperate in all things. This is Paul now. We talked about James. We talked about, uh, uh, Peter, now Paul saying this. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. In other words, I don't follow the flesh wherever it leads me. I don't satisfy my fleshly nature's tastes for everything that this world has to offer. You know, there is something about keeping the body under subjection. Are you with me? 
you cannot have everything the flesh wants and be running in this race. You know, even in the natural, the natural athletes know there are certain foods I cannot eat. There's a certain diet I cannot have. I can't have too much sugar and I can't have too much uh, 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 starches. And I, I got to have some and I got to have some protein. I got to have this and I got to have that. And all the, don't worry, my days of that is long past. So I haven't studied that at all recently. But they know that there's a certain diet that produces a healthy athlete's body. Well, there's a certain spiritual diet that is conducive to running the race with Jesus Christ. You cannot do everything you want to do. You know, that is a Christian principle that is often lost. Because we often talk about, oh, you know, everything is ours and all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. And so we realize that there are things that, it, that are in this world and things that are in this life that we just have to say, you know what? I give that up for the Lord. It may even be lawful, but it's not going to help me. Are you with me? All right. Building slowly here. I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others... I myself should be a castaway. So there's an incorruptible crown Paul is talking about. Hence, it's an eternal crown. Therefore, it's a crown of lasting value. If you gathered the finest jewels and gold in this world and made a crown, as much as those jewels and that gold would seem to be age-lasting, I will say one day they will be no more in that condition. All right. Everything will be burned. I've been in the Tower of London. Anybody know where the Tower of London is? It's in London. But anybody know what the Tower of London is, is the point that I was getting to. The Tower of London is where they keep the royal jewels over there in England. And I've been in there when I visited London one time and walked through and saw some of the the crown jewels, they call them. Now, what they are representing, they're not just representing the royalty of England. They're representing the power of a kingdom that was once the greatest kingdom on the face of the earth. And they are, they, they are representing the authority of the one that sat at the head of that kingdom. Hence, they're called the crown jewels or the, or the royal jewels. So this kingdom of England... Uh, of Great Britain and, and as it, as it covered the world and their great navies and all of those things rose to prominence in the previous age. Why did it rise to prominence? Because God needed a channel to send the gospel around the world. And so there rose up out of England a John Wesley. There rose up out of England a message. There rose up out of England a Spurgeon and, and many other names that I could mention that, that rose up out of England and each one in their place and each one had their effect in the gospel and great missionaries came out of England and went into India and went into Asia and went into South America and different places and these, these great mission works that, that went forward. Listen, they ought to have realized That the gospel was their crown. But instead they got caught up in their natural kingdom. 
and they're natural jewels. And as a result, the, the glory that they once had is no more. They can say, well, we still got the crown jewels, but where's the kingdom? Where's all the colonies? Where's all of those things? They are no more. Why? Because they didn't center it on the main thing that made them successful. John Wesley preached in the markets in that country. Let me just say this. If John Wesley preached in the markets today, like he did then, he would be arrested. That's where they are now. Back in the day, that's what turned them. And that's what made them glorious, was the people that was turning to God and the blessings that flowed out from that. But now, I just saw in the news just these past few months, some preacher in the, preaching in the street in England arrested for hate speech. There's where England is now. And we're going there too. They had great men like Spurgeon. Yeah, can you imagine? Can you just imagine this? Charles Spurgeon. Anybody ever heard of Charles Spurgeon? Great preacher. At a church of about 5,000, 10,000 people. That's just the people they could fit in the building in England there. No sound system, Brother Mike. Glorious. No electronics. Just a preacher's voice and the acoustics of the building. And you know what? They, they wrote down his sermons and they sent them all over the world. Now can you imagine sending books of a preacher around the world? Such heresy. People say, why, why you got those books of Brother Brown? Well, you got those books of William Branham. I'll tell you what, you take Spurgeon and multiply him by a thousand, you'll get this message. It's a message that has gone around the world. Because men of God caught a vision that this message was the message to the last days. And as much as Spurgeon's books went around the world in a missionary age, we're living in another age where this message is sent to gather the bride from all over the world and, and gather the wheat into the garner, as it were. The anointing is upon this message to create a great gathering. Now, John also writes about the crown in the book of Revelation. Is, uh, it's written in the Smyrnian church age in Revelation chapter 2. It says, and I will give thee a crown of life. And so it's, it's, uh, and Brother Branham picks it up in the church age book and he says, he talks about since not even a cup of cold water given in the name of the Lord fails to receive a reward, how great shall be the reward to him who gives his life as a martyr. Now this, this, I will give thee a crown of life is written to the martyrs of the martyr age. But listen to the way God's prophet says it. He says, those who give their lives for God, either by daily striving or shedding their blood as a crowning sacrifice of their lives, will be given the crown of life. All right. It's not just for those who give their life, life's blood, but also for those who are daily striving. All right. Are you with me? He says, all too little time is spent on laboring for the eternal rewards of God. Eternal rewards of God. The recompense of God is too lightly esteemed. If we believe in the reality of the resurrection of the body, 
Anybody here believe that? All right. And an eternal kingdom of substance. Anybody believe that? All right. He says, then we ought to lay up in heaven those good treasures that are available to the faithful saints. Amen. I'm not just going to leave that there and gloss over it lightly. I'm saying, where's your priorities today? You know, what is your thoughts on? What is your, what is your attitude towards? Is your attitude towards the eternal or is your attitude towards the natural? Because God has a crown of life for you and this crown of life is eternal. Therefore, it's not based, based on an earthly substance. It's not based on something in this realm that we can put together and, and we can hold together. In other words, it's not based on our bank account. It's not based on our job. It's not based on our vehicle. It's not based on our home. It's even not even based on our earthly good looks or not good looks, depending on how you look at it. It's not based on, on what family we come from. It's not based on what kind of a church we go to. It's not based on all those kind of things. It's based on a specific purpose of God in your life. And he's taken us through circumstances and trials and situations to bring us into position that we might receive the crown of life that I could say on the basis of the scripture is ordained for each one of you. And so I want to, as I labor in my life, I don't want to just spend my life laboring for natural things. I want to spend my life laboring for eternal things. I want to live my life in whatever situation I find myself in, in an eternal way. Listen, there's always ways in the natural that we have to do things. Well, I got many, many of us, well, I don't, I don't know anybody that doesn't amongst us brothers. We all need a job. We all need to provide for our family, all of those kind of things. But that's not everything. You know, the Bible, Bible says that they ate, they drank, they married, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered in the ark. And there's nothing wrong with those things in themselves. Eating. Anybody eat this morning? It's okay. You can eat before church. <laughs> Anybody drank this morning? Anybody had a coffee? How many had a coffee this morning? Praise the Lord. I expect nobody to fall asleep. All right. Eating, drinking, marrying. How many married couples do we have here? Married? All right. How many engaged couples? Do we have any engaged couples still? Or are they all married now? Anybody engaged? If you're engaged and you haven't told us, don't raise your hand yet. All right? So, eating, drinking, marrying, giving marriage. There's nothing sinful about those things. But Brother Bram says, when that's all you're thinking about, then it becomes sinful. That's all they were thinking about. They were thinking about the next event. They were thinking about the next paycheck. They were thinking about the next uh, uh, way they were going to make a profit. They were thinking about this. You know, I've been avoiding saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. When I was pastoring up north, I could have worked and pastored. I did for many years. Probably, oh, let me count the years, 10, 12 years. But there came a point in my life where I just said, you know what, I've got to give myself entirely to the burden of my heart, entirely to pastoring and entirely to other things that I had on my heart, such as putting the family altar book together. I could have, I could have been financially successful, but I chose 
I chose to rather write the family altar books that have gone around the world and that have been in the prints of tens of thousands that I hear from all over the world still to this day. And people are still ordering them and still buying them, which the proceeds of them go back into missions and all of that. But I, I chose to do that for one reason. I'm connected to the eternal. My children may regret that dad sacrificed so much for the kingdom of God. That laid aside financial prosperity. But I had a purpose in it. And I had a burden in it. And I'll just say, not everybody's called to be poor. But not everybody's called to be rich. And actually, most of God's people are poor. So I got more of a calling through that than for the other side. But in the midst of all of that, I wasn't concerned about my poverty. I wasn't concerned, as Paul says, I know how to abound and I know how to be abased. I'm thankful for every financial blessing that God has given me. But when I get to the other side, there's nobody going to ask me, how big was your house? There's nobody going to ask me, what kind of car did you drive? There's nobody going to ask me, how big was your bank account? How was your IRA or your RRSP or, or your pension or all those kind of things? When it's all over, it's all over. And the things that we have stored up in heaven, those are the things that are eternal. Those are the things that are valuable. If I only had $5 a month to give it to missions above, above and beyond my tithes, that's what I'd do. If all I could do was afford that, I'd want to do something to be acquitted in the eternal realm. I'm not, don't worry, I'm not taking up a missions offering. But nevertheless, we realize that those things are what's important. And to the real believer, I'm talking about the real believer. And when I say a real believer, I'm not saying if you don't have this revelation, you're not a believer. I'm just saying to someone like Paul who says, I keep my body under subjection. I don't buy every set of clothes that I think I would like. I knew that one would get quiet. I don't need a change of wardrobe every year or six months or whatever. Matter of fact, my wife goes out and buys me things because I probably never would. That's all right. I appreciate her buying those things, even though it takes money to do that. I'm cheaper on myself than I am on anybody. If I could wear the same suit the rest of my life, believe me, I'd do it. I wear something. I won't tell you what it is. I wear something just the other day out on the platform. I had it for, I think, 25 years, maybe longer. Doesn't matter to me as long as it's, it's presentable. And you, I didn't see anybody complaining about it. <laughs> say, Brother Tim, you really need to get rid of that. That's my desire. That's my burden. Lord, let me walk with you conscious of the eternal. Let me walk with you conscious of the rewards, the recompense of God. As Brother Branham says in the church book, that is too lightly esteemed. Now, let me just get real straight with you. He's not talking about the world. He's talking about the believer. He's talking about you. All right. Can I be that straight with you? You too lightly esteem the eternal rewards. 
Sorry if that hurts your feelings. But God's prophet is telling us that. I don't want to be counted in that number. That, oh, when I get to the other side, even when I get to the other side, and I see what others did, because there's many things that are hidden from the eyes right now, that you won't even know what others have done in the kingdom of God. But when we get to the other side, and the rewards are given out, and you'll sit there in awe, I hope there'll be nobody in this church that'll say, I should have done more. I'd rather be like the widow with two mites. As Jesus looked there upon the offerings and as she brought her two mites and Jesus looked at the rich men throwing their offerings into the treasury and, and my, to us, we would admire the rich men. My, look at him. He gave 5,000. He gave 10,000. He gave 20,000. He gave 100,000. He gave this. He gave that. Oh my, that's so wonderful. No, but as a percentage and as a portion of their earthly living, Jesus said, that woman. Gave more than all of them. Because she gave everything she had. And her testimony will resound down through the ages. Hallelujah. Lord, I don't know if I'm there. I would like to be there. Lord, help me to give everything I've got. Help me not to hold back. When there's a question, let me always go at the extra mile. Hope this isn't too strong for you. We're Christians. We're more than Christians. We're the bride of Jesus Christ. We're the elect of God. We're the ones walking in the eternal realm. We're the ones around whom the angel of God is encamped. We're the ones that are rejoicing in the blessings of God. The earthly temptations mean nothing to the elect of God. And it's not all about finances. Paul says in Philippians 1, he says, For me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what shall I choose? I wot not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. The Apostle Paul knew his position in Christ. He says, what a... The only thing I'm here for is for fruit. To live is Christ. To live is to display the eternal. Now we realize we're talking about the messenger to the age. We're not all messengers to the age. There's only one in each age. But yet nevertheless Paul says that's the way that Christ has a hold of me. And I want to say this. Does Christ have a hold of you that way? To live it's Christ. Not just on Sunday, but on Monday. Not only on Monday, but on Tuesday. Every day that God gives me life, I hope you pray like I pray in the morning. Lord, I give this day to you. Help me, Lord, to serve you today. Help me to do something for you today. Because I know if I go by my own inspiration, I will surely fail. But if you'll direct my footsteps today, surely there'll be something eternal happen today. Doesn't matter if I eat breakfast or lunch or supper, but let me do something eternal today. Let me do something that's worthy of the kingdom of God. Let me do something that's taken notice of in heaven. And I don't care who notices it on earth. Let me say that again. Let me do something that gains notice in the kingdom of God. And not really care about anything that takes notice in the kingdom of Canada or the kingdom of the United States. 
Lord, let me live my life for you. We have an age called Laodicea. In Laodicea, we have something called Satan's Eden, a place of human comforts and distractions that distract many from the ultimate objective in life. And it's that objective that is eternal. And that's where we need to be focused. Now a crown represents position and it represents blessing. It's not just a crown of uh, authority, though that could be part of it. But the word crown itself in the Bible means to encompass. The crown is a full circle. It's, and then the natural crown, of course, is placed on the crown of the head. But even though the crown is full circle, it doesn't just mean that. It means encompassing and it means to close in. All right. So when God crowns your life, he's closing it in. When God crowns your life, he's encompassing you with the blessings and authority that he wants you to have. All right. And so the crown of life is not just something that's a reward, but it's a part of you that God is bringing you to. That's why I say each one of us individually has ordained a crown. And we want to arrive at that crown. Can you, can you be with me that far? All right. It's, it's his blessing, but it's not his blessing plus. All right. And that's what I say. I want his crown. I don't want his crown plus what I can achieve. You with me? I don't want his crown plus my hard work. Even though I may have to work hard. I don't want his crown plus my own extras. Or my earthly possessions which I'll not take with me. I just want the crown of life. And ultimately, let everything that I do steer me towards that crown. Let everything that I labor in, let everything that I think upon, let everything that I partake of. And now, 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 just stop here just a moment, because I, I sometimes we almost go to this to the stages, preachers. When we get into this inspiration and we get under this anointing. We feel like, you know, oh, you know, we, it's just now half a step and we're across the curtain of time into, into perfection, perfection. But we all have a natural body. We have limitations. All right. And because of that, there are things that we do. I maybe approach a subject that might not seem very spiritual, but there's things that we do to relax all right that may not seem that spiritual all right in some realms and i I suppose when we're younger it's easy i'll talk to these young brothers over here to get caught up in entertainments is that okay brothers 
to get caught up in things that distract us from the pain of life. Okay? That help us make it through sometimes. You say, oh, Brother Tim, that's so unspiritual. Well, actually, Brother Branham would go to the shooting range and shoot bullets. And shoot bullet. He spent hours shooting bullets. Is that right? Why would he do that? To take his mind off things. All right. So, but it wasn't something that was sinful, but it wasn't necessarily some great spiritual something either, was it? I'll say brothers, especially brothers, but now, maybe I'll go on this side. Where's all the sisters? Now, maybe the sisters get a little trapped with, now we got some visitors here, I won't look at you. All right. But... Maybe on the sister's side, they like a little something called retail therapy. (laughs) Anybody ever heard that phrase? I got women in my house. (laughs) You didn't have any daughters, you lucky guy. No, I just, (laughs) I'm in trouble now. But you know where it seems like to let off the steam, they like to look at Go window shopping. Nowadays they go window shopping on their iPad or their iPhone or whatever it might be. Whatever kind of phone they got. It doesn't matter. But you know, there's all of these things in the natural. And I want to admonish you, brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers. It's not limited to age. Don't let the devil trap you into something that's detrimental to your spiritual walk and your eternal rewards. Those things quickly become a trap and a snare. Doesn't matter whatever you talk, I don't even remember what all I've mentioned, but in all of those things, be very careful. I was, that wasn't even in my notes, as we say. But now, say, Brother Tim, why are you hesitating? Actually, I have four sets of notes here. And uh, you talk, Brother Tom talks about his 20 some pages. <laughs> I have four different sets of notes here, and we could go many directions right now. How many want God's will this morning? All right, I believe that. Now the psalmist picks it up in Psalms 8 about the Lord. He says, Thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Crowned him. With glory and honor. Paul picks it up in Hebrews chapter 2 and he says, Thou madest him a little lower than the angel. Thou crownest him with glory and honor. And did set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. So he's expanding on the glory and honor. The psalmist says glory and honor. But now in the manifestation of it, Paul is identifying and he says, With glory and honor, set him over the works of thy hands. Thou put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. So into the equation of what Christ was done, had done and, and the glory and the honor of it, Paul brings in the grace of God. 
And so as I was beginning to say, when you have a flesh, when you have something and you, and, and we desire that everything that we do would be eternal, sometimes we find ourselves in the midst of things that are of temporal and no value. And I want to say that it's the grace of God that leads us to the crown of glory and honor. It's not our works. It's not based on what we did. It's not based on how good we were. I mean, it was based on what we did, but it's not because we had the energy or the strength or the intelligence to do it. It's rather the leadership of the Holy Spirit, the grace of God that leads us into everything He has for us. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? It takes all the fear out of it. It takes all of the old self out of it. It takes all of our own. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to labor harder. I'm going to do more for God. No, God, give me more of your grace. Lord, help me to live more like you. Lord, give me more of an inspiration for eternal things. Help me to see into that eternal realm more and less of this natural realm. Help me to see the things that will help me. Help me to see the things which are of value. You know, when Jesus was 12 years old, he found it of value to be about his heavenly father's business. Is that right? If he was, if Joseph was his father, he'd have been doing carpentry work, but Joseph wasn't his father. And they found him in the temple after they had been there for the Passover and they come away and, and they're wondering, well, where did, where did Jesus go? They had left without him and they're wondering where he is. And they, Mary comes into the temple and says, Oh, your father and I have looked for you for so long with tears. We were so worried about you. And Jesus just looked at her like, don't you even believe what happened in your life? Sometimes we're all like Mary. We mistakenly say something that isn't right. Mary said, your father and I referring to Joseph. But the word corrected the error. And said, I must be about my father's business. Amen. That's what was of value in his life. It didn't matter even what his natural guardians thought about it. When he was tempted. When he was, after he had come to his ministry and the fullness of God dwelt bodily in Christ and, and he goes out into the wilderness for 40 days and afterwards the Bible says he hungered. That's why you don't fast and be hungry. You fast when God puts it on you. And even for 40 days he wasn't hungry, but after it was over he was hungry and he said, turn these stones into bread and the devil began to tempt him. And he took him up on a high mountain and he said, and he offered him, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. If you'll just worship me. And Jesus says it's written. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God. And him only shalt thou worship. I'm not in this to be worshipped. I'm not in this to be spoken well of. I'm not in this to satisfy somebody else's idea of worship. I'm not in this to be something for somebody else. There's, a, there's an expression. I, I, I found it a while back and I thought it was a good expression. You do you, I'll do me. I thought that's a good expression for a believer. And the you and the me is both found in the word. And as God brings his word to life in me, that's how I want to live. I'm not interested in worshiping the devil. I'm not interested in worshiping Satan's Eden. I'm not interested in worshiping my job. I'm not interested in worshiping my bank account. I'm on this channel today, aren't I? Those things are not my crown. But there's one who will crown me. There's one who will bring me to a place of glory and honor. And him only shall I worship. 
He's my only object of worship. Everything else loses its value. Amen. When he comes to the temple as an adult, Jesus in the temple there, he's, he, he, they show him all the temple, the great stones, the great, the great edifice of it all. And, 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 and the disciples thought he'd be impressed. He says, see all these things? There won't be one stone left upon another. It's all going to be torn down. He, he wasn't impressed. To Jesus, it wasn't impressive. That wasn't the Father's house. Matter of fact, they should have been looking at him because he was the Father's house. He was the one that was manifesting the Father. Not that temple. Not that sacrifice. Not those objects of worship. Not those things as Jesus goes in and overturns the tables of the money changers during the Passover. And all of those things. You, you've, you've developed this gospel. This, this great message that God has sent. And you've turned it into a man maneuvered thing. And he just began to destroy it all. Turned over the not only the tables chased them out, scattered their coins, take the offering boxes, the exchange boxes, they weren't offering boxes, the exchange boxes, smashed them on the ground. Said, this means nothing. You've turned the house of prayer into a den of thieves. You've changed the meaning of everything. You've taken the eternal and made it temporal. And you've caused the people to strive for the temporal when they should be striving for the eternal. There is an eternal crown of glory. There is an eternal reward. There is an eternal kingdom. There is an eternal place. There is an eternal home. There is an eternal Jerusalem. Hallelujah. There's a new heavens and there's a new earth. And it's eternal. And I want to be there. Everything Jesus did was pointed towards there. When he took the Lord's, the last uh, Passover, we call it the last supper. He says, I've desired with great desire to have this with you. Why was he desiring it? It wasn't to be with them and have a nice time together. He says, because we'll not eat of this until I eat again with you in the new kingdom. Hallelujah. This is the final of the temporal. There's coming an eternal. Glory to God. Lord, focus us in on the eternal. Separate us from the natural. Focus us on eternal. Not just, not just now, but every day. The value of the eternal. Oh, let me just talk about worship just for a moment. I just feel this carry on that vein. Worship. You know, worship literally means to humble yourself. The word worship actually means to bow. To, 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 uh, put yourself on your face. But figuratively, of course, it means to put yourself last. To acknowledge that the one, to acknowledge rather the one upon whom all attention should be. It's not about me, it's about you. It's not about me, it's about the Lord Jesus. It's not about my works, it's about His grace. The great one, the giver of life, the giver of every good gift, the creator, the one that made me, the one that called me, the one that quickened me, the one that brought me into this world, the one that's appointing my footsteps, the one that's leading me day by day. Oh, Lord, let me just be focused on you. That's worship. We worship in the place of the eternal. I happen to be listening to the Hebrews series lately and and uh, 
uh, Brother Branham in chapter 2, part 1, he says this. He says, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. He says, we ought to be busy every minute trying to get people to Christ. We ought to be lively stones. We should never be slothful like we are. Don't worry, this convicted me. I just thought, oh Lord, I'm such a slothful minister. I just, I just feel like I need more energy and more inspiration. And he says, we'll go up to church and we'll see what the Lord, we'll see the Lord Jesus do something. Have we seen him do something? He says, or bless in such a way, bless us in such a way. And then we'll go back and say, oh, very nice meeting. He says, now the preaching of the word, we enjoy it. Now, don't misunderstand what he's saying here, but I'm going to read him directly. He says, but that's not the main thing. He's not talking about it's not the main thing in the service. It is the main thing in the service. But it's not the main thing in the big picture. Listen to what he says. He says, we should not worship the Lord just after we get through preaching the word as we usually do. Just worship him. He says, that's wonderful. All right. He's not saying you shouldn't do that. He's saying you shouldn't do just that. All right. He's saying uh, we should worship him every hour of our life. Amen. Amen. He says when we're at work, we should worship him. Every time the opportunity presents itself, worship the Lord by testifying of him. He says, some of you ladies see a woman in the wrong, worship the Lord by taking her and telling her sister, there's a better life than this. He says, that's worship. He says, you men at work, you, when you hear a man using the name of the Lord in vain, get a chance to one side to slip over and take him by the hand and say, there's a better life than this. You shouldn't use those words. And tell him in a meek, gentle way, all those things is worship. And when we see someone sick and the doctor says there's no more can be done, we ought to worship the Lord by telling them there's a God in heaven that answers prayer. <laughs> Hallelujah. Worship. I got to remember all the words to that song, Dan. Worship. But I'll just say, in the job, worship. At the hospital, worship. In the home, worship. Every hour of the day, worship. Worship the Lord. Why? Because your, your, your mind is on eternal things. Hallelujah. It's a worship. We're coming to something here. Then we'll, we'll begin to close. The value. You know, in the book of Acts, the value, when the believers became born again, value changed. Book of Acts chapter 4, it says that they began to sell what they had and give it all to the church to administer. And that's not what I'm preaching this morning. But I, I want to just show you the value here. All right? It wasn't that they had to do that. Some just began to do that. I remember... There was a testimony, somebody here got saved. I think it was uh, Brother Kyle's father-in-law and Don, Brother Don Alexander. And uh, he would just come with his paycheck, wouldn't he? Just put in the offering. 
And then he'd come asking for someone to help him buy a pair of socks or something like that. I can't remember the exact story. But what was he? He wasn't thinking about bank accounts and stuff. He was just thinking, everything's eternal. This is, this, I don't need, no, I don't suggest you do that. These brothers do not want to administer your socks. All right. Uh, that's, that's not the object of what we're talking about. But that's the way the church was in the beginning. Oh, what good is this house going to do me? What good is this property going to do me anyway? And all of these things. And they just begin to ponder that. And, but then there was one by the name of Ananias and Sapphira, his wife. They sold a possession. And you know the story. They kept part of it back and gave some to the Lord, which was all fine. Up to that point, it's fine. Except they said, this is all of it. That was the problem. The problem wasn't that they didn't give all of it. The problem was they said they gave all of it when they didn't. And that upset the Holy Spirit. Because everybody else was doing it in purity. And now these ones were doing it with guile. And they had an objective. They wanted to appear like everybody else while still having one foot in the world. Oh, Lord, have mercy on us. And Peter said to them, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and keep back part of the price of the land? To keep back part of the price of the land. While it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived in this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. Who could reveal that but God himself? In other words, God was offended. God cares about the decisions we make. He cares if you, and he knows. If you say, well, you know, I, I, I give it all to the Lord except this. I give my entire life to the Lord except this. Are you fully surrendered this morning? Have you laid it all on the altar? Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? In your heart does the spirit control? You can only be blessed and have peace. And good rest. I can't remember the last line. As you give him your body and soul, I think is what it is. What a great song. So this morning, as we come to the closing part of the service, we're not closing yet, but as we come to the closing part, I want you to remember this. Is you're all on the altar. Have you got a focus that says, I want that crown that God has ordained for me. See when Israel came to their inheritance. Their crown as it were. Their place of blessing. As we spoke last time on the man planted by the rivers of water. The tree planted by the rivers of water. That's a man that keeps the word. That's a man that stays in the word. That's a man that keeps himself in the right atmosphere. He's like a tree planted by the rivers of water. When Israel was coming into their promised land, he says, I want you to know something. He says, you've been in Egypt here for hundreds of years. He says, now you're going into a land that flows with milk and honey. It's not like this land. In Egypt, 
where you come out of, it's your labor that produces the crop. All right? He says, you, wa- the, you water your crop with your foot. In other words, Egypt was a land of irrigation. And that they brought the water from the Nile River into the fields to water the crops. And by their efforts and their knowledge of irrigation, produced the bountiful crops which they had in many times, especially under Joseph, as there was uh, that great opportunity for them there. But God says, that's not the way it is. In, in the land that I'm taking it to, taking you to. He says, and it shall come to pass if you will hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in his due season, the first rain and the latter rain. All right. That thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thy oil. And I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle, that thou mayest eat and be full. Now what does God say? You don't have to worry about knowledge of agriculture. You need to stay in my word. If you stay in my word and stay focused on your on my word, then I will send the rain, the former and the latter rain. We're not going to get into that today. But I will send the rain that will bring the crop. That will bring the grass for the cattle. That will bring the fat for your tables. That will bring the harvest from the field. This rain will come upon you based on your relationship with me. Listen, brothers and sisters, we are not like the world. We are not like the world. I had a young brother that came to me a while back and he said, he said, brother Tim, uh, he says, I, I need a raise in my job because I want to buy a house, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and this was a while ago. And he said, he said, I said, well, how much do you want? And he told me, he told me, hey, I need X amount of dollars. I looked at him and I, I looked at him, brother Tom, and I said, I've never made that amount in my entire life. He looked at me like I was lying. I said, that's the truth. I said, everything that I have is because God blessed me. It's not because I was able to get the raise or because I was able to do this. Or, and there's nothing wrong with those things. Okay, those things are not sinful in themselves. If, the, if your job is going to give you money, take every raise. If you don't want the raise, take the raise and give it to missions. All right, simple, solved it. But in the midst of all of that, You know, don't ever think that that's your blessing. That's what God was saying to Israel. That's not your blessing. The blessing is the rain I send upon you. You see, you're actually living in the day of the latter rain. This message is the latter rain. And it's the latter rain upon your life. And if you'll stay in the word, God will send his blessings upon you. God will bless you in the morning. He'll bless you in the afternoon. He'll bless you at the evening time. He'll bless you in the springtime. He'll bless you in the harvest time. He'll bless you in the winter time. When you're poor and you don't know what to do, God will bless you. I know what it is to sit at my desk and say, Lord, when I was a pastor, I said, Lord, I have no money. I need some kind of work somehow. I need something to, to uh, help me through this now. I got these bills. I laid the bills before the Lord. I said, Lord, I got these bills. And I, I said, I don't know how to pay them. I don't have any work right now. Nothing like that. I said, Lord, I need work. Within an hour, the phone rings. 
understand you do certain, certain thing. I said, that's right. So we'd like you to come and do some contract work for us. I said, thank you, Lord. It's his blessing. It's not my great intelligence. Lord, have mercy of it. It relied on my intelligence, my poor family. My poor family. I have learned in everything to rely upon the Lord. He was, God was telling Israel, this is the crowning upon your lives. It's the design of God to bless, to bring plentifulness, the crop of the crop through the former and the latter rain. It's my design to surround you with blessings, the blessings of God that would come on display in the harvest. The psalmist writes about it in Psalm 65. He says, thou waterest the ridges thereof abundantly. Thou settlest the furrows thereof. Thou makest it soft with shadows. Thou blessest the springing thereof. Thou crownest the year with goodness. And thy paths drop fatness. The psalmist knew where it came from. He knew why we had a bountiful crop. When Israel had a bountiful crop, what were they to do? Bring it before the Lord. Bring the first fruits. Bring the wave sheaf. Bring it on, on before, even bring it into the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the other subject that I have with me. And bring it into the Feast of Tabernacles. What was the Feast of Tabernacles? It was the Feast of Rejoicing. Rejoicing in the blessing of God. Not rejoicing in money or, or wealth or those things. Rejoicing, God has blessed me. Has God saved you? Rejoice. Has he given you the Holy Ghost? Rejoice. Amen. Has he given you peace? Rejoice. Has he given you joy? Then rejoice with it. Hallelujah. That's God's purpose. Actually, if we actually look at it in the types in the scripture, we find out in these last days, the Laodicean age, Brother Brown says we've actually moved into the Feast of Tabernacles. And if you look at it in the book of Ezra, you'll find out that when they discovered that they were in the Feast of Tabernacles, that the Ezra and, and Joshua stilled the people and said, stop weeping. Stop crying. This is the Feast of Tabernacles and we are commanded to rejoice. Hallelujah. And the people go, oh, if the word says rejoice, I guess that's what we're going to do. Hallelujah. They had come out of captivity. Have you come out of captivity? Amen, Brother Matthew. I don't like singling people out, but amen, Brother Matthew. I know his background. He came out of captivity. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Rejoice. Well, I'm going through a a trial right now, Brother Tim. Count it all joy. Because you're in the Feast of Tabernacles. We're in our temporary dwelling places, but we're going to a permanent one. I don't have time to preach on that this morning, but we are living here. Psalms 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Hallelujah. Let's just start there. It's under the blood. Hallelujah. Anybody got a rotten background like me? Hallelujah. It's under the blood. Bless the Lord, O my soul. He's forgiven all my iniquities. Hallelujah. Who healeth all thy diseases. Glory to the name of the Lord. Anybody ever been sick? 
Oh, I heard that COVID request this morning. I was in the office and said, Lord, deliver that man. It's his benefit. He's the Lord that heals all our diseases. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, who redeemeth of thy life from destruction. You are headed in the wrong direction. But you were in his mind. And so he didn't just deem you, he redeemed you. He brought you back to his thoughts. You're thinking, I think I'm going to pursue this direction in my life. And God just picks you up by the scruff of the neck. He says, no, you're not. This is my choice for you, and it's the best choice. This is my plan for your life. This is where you'll find peace. Peace, that ought to be the most valuable thing. Peace is the most valuable thing in this age. People are so full of anxiety, uncertainty, all kinds of isms in their life. Wondering which way is up, which way is down, which way is backwards, which way is forward. Nobody knows, but the bride knows. Hallelujah. He's given me peace. Oh, glory to God. I just got to trust him. I've trusted him now. It'll soon be 60 years I've trusted him. I've trusted him all my life. He's never failed me. I failed him many times, but he's never failed me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Hallelujah. Lord, let that be the crown of my life. Oh, Lord, let your loving kindness. That's an old, old song. I am my beloved's and he is mine. His banner over me is love. Sister Ruth, you'll remember that old song. It's just an old song we used to sing back in, before I was even in the message. I didn't even really know what it meant. But now I know. Hallelujah. I'm my beloved's. I'm his bride, and he's mine. We belong to each other, and his banner over me. He crowneth thy life with loving kindness and tender mercies. Brother Branham says, uniting time and sign. We're going to wrap up soon. Lord willing. He says, I I think one of the horrible things to see in life is a man or woman that's constantly complaining. You know, if, if we just never let a negative word come out of our mouth, we'd be better off. I say that just as much for me as anybody. I don't know about you, but I think too much. I just think about everything and anything. Well, not anything, but I think about all kinds of things and ponder it over and work it all over in my mind. And and I just think, why am I even bothering? God's going to work it all out. And he says, a woman, man or woman that's constantly complaining, I've always thought, God, keep me from it. See, that weakens faith all the time, you know. All right, I want you to listen now carefully because... This is a weakening of faith. If you have complaints that you allow to stay in your life, you are weakening your faith. Deal with them. Get rid of them. And the best way to deal with them is say, Lord, forgive me and put it under the blood. He says, I know... 
as I get older, each one of us, we're going to get something happen. And something happened. I know those little things are just going to keep accumulating. That's as you get older. They just got to. See, there's things, we'll call them battle scars. They accumulate. The scars accumulate. You know, when a baby's born, it's got no scars. Little toddler growing up, pretty soon they start to walk, boom, they're down, bang, bump in the head. I got one at home that I just think that her head is a magnet to the table. And you know, I'm not talking about Esther. I'm talking about the little one. And, you know, sometimes we just, we just get that way in life that we've been bumped too many times. It's not any individual bump, but it's one after another. I love Brother Murphy's message on how annoying the devil is. It's just this annoyance upon this annoyance upon this annoyance upon that annoyance. If you just let it accumulate, it'll pretty soon get you down to where you got lots to complain about. And the devil wants that because it weakens your faith. He says, I know those things get accum- keep accumulating. That's as you get older. They just got to. But I think one of the most horrible things is for Satan to crown some person's life a crabbed old man or an old woman. He says, I hope I don't get to that place. I hope that I can bear it as my burdens. He's not talking about sinful things. He's talking about the natural warfare of life. The natural day-to-day events. You can go one of two ways. Which fork in the road are you going to take? Are you going to go to the complaining route or the trusting route? You're going to go down this road that is a constant complaint and a constant excuse and oh this happened and then this happened and then that happened and then that happened and, and then this happened and, 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 and for many years it's been like this because that happened and all of those things. I'd rather be like the person that came in Brother Branham's prayer line that they're sick and they don't know why. But a prophet of God had to tell them, well you got a phobia from when a dog chased you into the house. He says that I'm going to pray to God to take that phobia off of you. Now, they weren't going around complaining about the dog. They didn't even know it was the dog. They'd long forgotten about it, but it had planted something in their life. See, these are just natural events in their life. And sometimes we just need God to come down and take it away. And if you find yourself this morning, and we all find ourselves there, that when you find yourself in a place where where that becomes the center of your life, God does not want to crown you as a crabby man or a crabby woman. Hallelujah. Accept that as your inheritance. I will not be a crabby old man. I will not be a crabby old woman. I don't care if I'm the only one in my family that is standing for Jesus Christ. I will worship Him every hour. I will glorify Him every day. I will talk about what He has done for me. I will be as the psalmist saying, Bless the Lord, O my soul. He delivers me from all my infirmities. Hallelujah. He forgives me of all my iniquities. He causes me to rejoice, in other words. Amen. He causes me to rejoice. I'm going to stay there. Hallelujah. He said, Brother Branham even says about himself, I hope I can bear it as my burdens and get to a spot where, and he says, I want my life crowned 
with the glory of God. His long-suffering, gentleness, peace, meekness, and filled with the Holy Ghost. That's the crowning I'm looking for, he says. Is that the crowning you're looking for? Lord, that's what I want to be filled with. That's 1963, even after the opening of the seals, in case you're wondering where that comes from. But you know, before the seals, now I'm going to take a change of gear and bring this to a close. Lord willing. You know, he's, he's in September of 1962. The great step in his ministry and life is the opening of the word, 1963. The great purpose. I'll say the crowning of his ministry. Is guys, God has led him. Listen, the dead have been raised. The sick have been healed. Thousands upon thousands of cases of supernatural healings, miracles, discernment, all of those things. God just moved in his ministry in a wonderful way. And now he's in 1962, he says, I'm looking for a crowning. If we had, I don't know about you brothers, if I had one meeting, like a Brother Branham meeting, just one, where people were delivered and healed and discerned and all those kind of things, I'd say, that's my crowning. Praise the Lord, I'm done. That's got to be the crowning of my ministry. But here's a man that had been all through that without count. And now he says, I'm looking for a crowning. What kind of a crowning is he looking for? He says, I'm trusting him in him someday. I don't know when. For a crowning of my ministry. This is in the message present stage of my ministry. He goes into it a lot of detail. You can read it there. I'm trusting in him someday. I don't know when for a crowning of my ministry. I'll just, I'll stay just as true as I could be. I don't know what it'll be. I don't know when it'll be. But when he's ready, I am. Now look here. I hope he'll crown my ministry with this. Here it is. What does he want for a crowning of his ministry? All the supernatural that he's seen. He's talking, he's had the vision of binding and loosing. He's, you know, so many powerful things. Big crowds like South Africa, India, half a million people. What's the crowning? What would it be? A meeting with a million people? Five million? What kind of a crowning is he looking for? Uh, uh, a miracle? The, go to the graveyard, raise all the dead? What kind of a crowning is he looking for? He's seen the supernatural. He knows all things are possible. What kind of a crowning is he looking for? He says, when he's ready, I, I am. I hope he'll crown my ministry with this, of letting me take the clothes of the word and dress his bride in the clothes of his word and for his righteousness. Hallelujah. There's a crowning. There's a crowning of a ministry. Lord, let me. Lord, I don't care if I, another person gets healed. 
I don't care if another person uh, gets delivered uh, or some kind of discernment or supernatural, Lord. That's not what I'm looking for. I've seen that. I've had that. I've experienced that. That's all wonderful. May there be ever more. But in the midst of it all, Lord, one thing I'm looking for. I don't want to go back to what I had. This is important now. I don't want to go back to what I had. So many times when we go through life and we, we've had great experiences, oh, if I could just go back there. If I could just recreate that. If I could just somehow have those kind of meetings again. But that's not what a God's prophet was looking for. He says, no, one thing I'm looking for is to take this word and clothe his bride with the revelation of the word of God. Hallelujah. It was a deep calling within his heart because that was his crown. That was exactly his crown. That was exactly what God had for him. No wonder he desired it. So often we pray for people, Lord, give them the desires of their hearts. Maybe people prayed for Brother Branham that way, but that's what he wanted. The desire of my heart is not to be a big somebody. It's not to have an organization. It's not to have some great big monument or something. It's not to have a Bible school. It's not to have some great earthly element. I'm already connected to the eternal. But let me as the crowning of my ministry clothe the bride of Jesus Christ. And I say, what a crown. Uh, He has been crowned. For this bride is making herself ready. The marriage of the the Lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. How could she make herself ready if someone didn't give her clothes to dress with? Hallelujah. Oh my, what a crown. What a prophet that had a crown. Oh Lord. He doesn't even know where he's going with this. He says... He says, let me, I hope he'll crown me and let me stand there on that day and say, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. What was he doing when the seals opened? When he preached the seven seals in 1963, he says he met me in the little room. There he met me there and he showed me what was right and what was wrong. And he gave me the revelation. What was he preaching? Oh, it was too supernatural for most to catch. But what he was really doing is he was standing up every night in Jeffersonville and saying, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. You thought you understood him, but now he's revealing himself. The mighty God is revealed amongst you, unveiled in your midst, unveiling himself that he might put on himself a body called the bride of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Lord, that's my crown. And I say, Amen, Brother Branham. That's your crown. That's your crown. A crowning is a life that has found its eternal place. He didn't just want blessing. But the crowning of every effort that he had put forth to turn people to Jesus Christ. Let it find its place. And let the blessing come from God. Listen. A crowning. Is your life. That has found. Its eternal place. I just want to say this. If we feel. Our unworthiness. And we are unworthy. In many aspects. All right. He counts us worthy. 
But we look at ourselves as unworthy. If we look at our own unworthiness, then we do nothing. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to preach the gospel. Paul said, I'm not worthy to be an apostle of the Gentiles. But he was. I'm not worthy for all these. I'm not worthy to do this. I'm not worthy to do that. That's got nothing to do with it. God doesn't want us to look at our worthiness. He wants us to look at his grace. The devil wants to us to look at our own insufficiencies and paralyze us from the power that God has put within us. But we cannot look at that. We must look at the grace of God. His grace is sufficient for me. It's not my worthiness. It's what He has for my life. Because when we're in the right place, the eternal things happen. When you're in the right place, eternal things happen. Not just natural things, eternal things. I have to say it. And I'm not glorifying a man. But it happens to be a certain man's birthday this weekend. Happy birthday, Brother Bisco. I know he's listening. He's in his office right now. That man. You know, I'll, I'll use the words of Brother Branham to describe Brother Bisco. Against his better judgment came to Cloverdale. That man, if he had looked at his own ability, Brother Biscoe, if he had just looked at himself, then who is he to be a friend of a prophet? I know, if I looked at myself, I'd say, not a chance. A friend of a prophet? God would have never put me there. But he put Brother Biscoe there. You understand what I'm saying? God has a purpose in these things. God has a design. These things are not by accident. It's not just somebody that happened to stumble across the ministry of William Branham and was in a meeting or something. No, God ordained it that that Brother Biscoe had the right kind of makeup. You allow me to go down this channel for a little minute here? He had the right kind of makeup that could make a prophet comfortable. That could, that could enter into a certain type of relationship with a prophet and be, as Brother Wayne said at camp, I thought it was a good way to say, the friend of a prophet. And so because he, he became a friend to Brother Branham, that allowed God to bless Brother Biscoe. You got to take your place. You got to be in position. It's not about how worthy you are. It's not about how worthy Brother Biscoe is. It's not about how worthy Tim Dodd is or anybody else is. It's about God's grace. He has a crown for you. And you will find that crown in your position. And Brother Biscoe, you know, look, we, we look at it now. We look at it now. And, uh, you know, we, we, Brother Branham says in one place, 1958, he says, how we have sacrificed to build up churches, sent missionaries to the field. And in hard, in the hard times that you younger people don't remember. But we older people, when the depression was on, how we just had to break a piece of bread between us and struggle to hold on. See, he's referring, he's talking to people who didn't understand the beginnings of what they were in the midst of. Are you with me? You don't understand the beginnings of this church. There's very few of you that do, even the ones that were here at the beginning. Brother Gill, Brother Ken, Brother Tom, some of you elders. Hard to believe that, huh? 
Here we are down the road a long ways. Go back to the beginnings of it back there. Where was the church? It was a house. But somebody sacrificed. It became a log church. Amen, brother. You remember that, brother Larry. The log church over there and all of the things, you know, all the things that took place there. But somebody sacrificed. Because somebody had a vision. Somebody had something on the inside of the inside. I'm getting something to you here. There was a man, excuse me, Brother Bisco, for zeroing in on you. But, you know, there was a man that had a vision in his heart that at times he maybe didn't even understand himself. Maybe if he went back to the beginning of when he was in Toronto. Uh, I hope I'm not exposing anything here. But I've talked to Brother Bisco about some of those beginnings. He loved Toronto. Sorry, but he loved Toronto. He had lots of good things to say about Toronto. But you know what? Something moved him to Cloverdale? From Toronto, from Bay Street to Cloverdale? Maybe you don't even understand what I mean when I say Bay Street. I, I've been in the banking industry. I, I know what I'm talking about. All right? This is the movers and the shakers in the country. This is the center of Canada. Even if they think they're the center of the universe. But it's the center of Canada. Alright? Toronto. And there was a man that was going places. But his crown did not lie in those things. Hallelujah. God was dealing with him in different circles and different ways. And I don't try and explain somebody's life for them. They'll They know it better than I do. But something moved him here. And sometimes we don't even understand why something so small could be so important in in influencing our lives. But something influenced him to move here. And as he became influenced to move here, God says, because what you're going to have is what I bless you with. It's not going to be about your skills on Bay Street. It's not going to be about this over here or that over there. I'm going to use you because I must get my message to my bride. And I have called you to do something. He would go to Africa. I've traveled to countries that he's traveled to. Matter of fact, I've been to those countries probably as much or more than he's been to them. But I get to preach in churches that believe this message. And when he went, there was no churches. There was no, there was nothing. There was, get an interpreter, you're fortunate. You know, go and, and speak to a, a group of people that maybe have some interest uh, and something happens and God uses the gift and inspires it and pricks those people's heart and something begins to change. And something happens and we need the message and he begins to print and he begins to, to ship it all over the world and he begins the radio broadcast and all of those things. And excuse me for going down into all these details. I don't know them near as good as brother Tom does or the family does or anybody. That's not my point. My point is that his crown was not in natural things. But now we're sitting here today as a people in a place. What you're seeing here is the crowning of a man's ministry. He may feel like he's weaker now than he's ever been. But it's always been in the weakest moments of a man's life that God crowns a ministry. Hallelujah. 
It's always in those times that God says, this is what I brought you here for. Hallelujah. Oh, I love to see God in people's lives. I love to read biographies of great men. There just doesn't happen to be a biography of Brother Biscoe. Not yet. But I'll tell you what. I love to look at a man's life and say, I see God there. And I see God there. And I, yes, I see a man. Yes, I see weakness. Yes, I see, I don't even want to call it mistakes. Because sometimes what we call mistakes isn't mistakes. But Brother Bradham said, I make mistakes all the time. So I'll say, certainly Brother Biscoe would say that. I would say that. You would say that. Anybody would say that. But that's not the point. We don't look at our own insufficiencies. We look at His grace. And so, Brother Biscoe, let me say to you, even though you're not in the room, but I know you're watching. Let me say to you, the God who led you all this way has crowned your life. And we are a part of that crown. See, decisions matter. And a man made a decision to walk with God and do what God wanted him to do. Your decisions matter. The musicians can come. To the bride, to his bride, This is what he says to you in Ezekiel. He said to Israel then, he'll say it to you now. He said, I washed thee with water. Yea, I thoroughly washed away thy blood from thee and I anointed thee with oil. What what is the water that God washes with? The washing of the water of the word. You've been washed with water. He says, I've washed thee with water. I've anointed thee with oil. What is the oil? It's the Holy Ghost. I've anointed you with the Holy Ghost. I've clothed thee also with broidered work and shod thee with badger skins. And I girded thee about with fine linen and I covered thee with silk. And I decked thee also with ornaments and I put bracelets upon thy hands and a chain upon thy neck. And I put a jewel on thy forehead and earrings in thine ears and a beautiful crown upon thy head. He's saying, I've done this. You didn't do it. I have a crown for you. The message that we've received in this hour is the source of all spiritual blessing. It's redeemed us from calamity because it's Jesus Christ revealing himself. It's brought us from death. It's brought us from the death of this age. It's brought us from the captivity of this hour as the devil takes this age under his control. And readies it for the tribulation time. We see the events unfolding that will, that will usher in the mark of the beast. And he cannot buy or sell unless you have the mark of the beast. And all of these things. We see the governments preparing these things all around us. But that's not for the bride. For the bride there's a crowning. For the bride there's a rapture. For the bride there's a catching away. For this people, God has not ornamented you with these things and placed a crown upon your head to be taken captive by the devil. This bride will not go the devil's way. She will not be shut up. She will be taken up. She will be crowned with glory. 
she will be crowned with honor. She might have to go through tribulation. She might have to go through temptations, but count it all joy. Because he's just taking you step by step right into your crowning. And what is her attitude? Yes, it's a rejoicing in the crown that she has. But I'll tell you what, when we get on the other side, we're going to feel like those 24 elders as they were gathered around the throne. Where the Bible says the 24 elders fell down before him that sat on the throne and worshiped him forever and ever. And cast their crowns before the throne. I didn't do this, Lord. You did this. I don't deserve this crown. This is your doing. Every good thing in my life is because of your blessing. Hallelujah. Give F. I cast. We fall down. Let's stand together. we have a crown we can worship you these are the people from whom you desire worship and worship must come by spirit and truth Lord Lord I don't want to say this morning 
If I would apologize, it's for my lack of a language to express it in a way that's not more glorious to you, Lord. Oh, Lord, you've done every good thing. You've called these people by your name. You've called them out of every kindred, every tongue, every nation. We give you glory. We praise you, oh God. We magnify you. Lord, when we are gathered on the other side, what can we do, Lord, but feel like the elders? Lord, it's not us, it's you. The disciples, mother, James and John said, let grant that one would be at your right hand and one would be at your left hand. You said it's not yours to give. There's people that are allotted. Our place is allotted. Your, everyone's place is allotted. Oh God, you know what they're coming to. But when we get there, Lord, we'll just confess, Lord, it wasn't us. It was you, Lord. We'll just cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lamb. If there's one person here this morning under your divine presence, oh God, that hasn't experienced the mighty, supernatural, delivering power of God, that doesn't know you as their Savior, their Deliverer. But Lord, if you're speaking to their heart, may they respond to you now, just saying, Lord, I raise my hand in acknowledgement of you. I accept you as my Savior. There's someone here this morning that would say, I need him as my healer. Let him crown your life as a healer this morning. Just say, Lord, I accept your healing. That was provided 2,000 years ago. I deny my symptoms and I accept your healing, Lord. Lord, you're the mighty one that moves amongst us. These people are your crown ultimately, Lord. These people... Oh, Lord, are your glory. I say, blessed be thy holy name. Father, we love you. We commit this to your hands in Jesus Christ's wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Let the worshipers arise. Let's sing that song. See that you are drawn a Thank you. 
to us, O God. Glory to your name. Glory to your majesty. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Holy, holy, holy is the Lamb. Worthy of all glory. Worthy of all praise. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Hallelujah. There's a song that has that line, All my life you have been faithful. What is that song? I sing of the goodness of God. Okay. If you have been faithful
Glory, glory to the Lamb. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How great. Now, Brother Tom, I'll turn it over to you. Amen. We're here to rejoice, aren't we? And I'm rejoicing because I'm looking around the room and I'm seeing some of our precious saints up from the United States of America. Amen. I started to pen them all down and and I just I just started to write them down. How many are here today and how many were here last week and how many are coming? And they're coming. Lord willing, on Thanksgiving, Brother Ryan will be leading song service. <laughs> Man, I told Brother Nathan, you get to have a, a rest. Uh, and I says, this sounds like us preachers. We're always like, Brother Tim, will you take the service? I can take a rest, brother. And then they argue amongst themselves. Can you imagine that? Well, we've had a, a wonderful time. The presence of lo- the Lord, Jesus, has been faithful to us. And Brother Tim was, I, I guess, away when I was, we were talking about Brother Biscoll. And I took him from Toronto to Cloverdale, and he came here for me. Then I said he came here for all of us. But, you know, the Holy Spirit has a way to do that because we're coming into our 50th year. And we're going to do something very special for our 50th year. To thank a man of God and his dear wife and what they have sacrificed for. And it's amazing how it's just weekend after the next weekend and to see the continuity. And I love that this morning. Brother Mike, you're going to have to help me on this song because we're going to go into go into that worship. If you need Dan beside you, we'll drop Dan too. Amen. We've been enjoying ourselves in the presence of the Lord. And you don't know, Julie, Tamara, Eden, how much you've added to the church. And Sister Lisa being faithful, one of the first. And, and Brother Ellie was here with Mimi and different ones. I tell you, it's, it's electrifying. It's electrifying. Oh, Brother Ruins here and Sister Sarah. Oh, my. Brother Cobus is here again. We were the last to leave last Sunday, Brother Cobus. Did you notice that? We were on the sidewalk talking to each other. I said, my goodness, we just miss the family of God. Why don't you start playing that, Mike? And uh, so I just want to, I have an announcement to make uh, this morning. Um, Brother Biscoll and I have been sitting down and had some comments to make regarding Brother John Andes. Brother John Andes has um, made a decision to come up to the Pacific Northwest and start a an assembly. So in that announcement, we just wanted to just say to to you people and those that are questioning or sent emails to myself in particular, I'd like to address that announcement and um, regarding the startup of his own church in this area. Uh, Brother Biscoll, myself, the different ministers and different brothers and elders here, along with all the deacons, are completely unaware of what this decision was, just so that you know. That Brother Biscoe and myself, we did not have any input whatsoever. Can you say a little disappointed? Yes. And Brother John has decided to do this. And uh, yet, 
the Lord himself is the confirmer of all decisions. So we just leave it in the hands of the Lord. And we'll just pre- we'll keep pressing on as a body of Christ. And I wanted to let uh, the saints know that there's going to be some meetings. Brother Murphy and I, I think, are going up December the... No, in October. October the 17th. And we're doing a, a Saturday and Sunday up at the camp. Then we have a camp. There's another two camps left. And then we'll have the camp available to us. We are looking, we've talked to the people that planed us up or flew us up at camp time and they're uh, booked since the borders have been closed and different things. And so we've got about 10 brothers that probably want to come up and just just put their lick of fire and let them know that we're having a revival around here. And uh, they want they want to come, and, but there's no planes available. So on Monday, the lady that scheduled us for camp, she's going to try and reschedule a schedule. And um, pray for that because we would really, really love to have the brothers down there. And um, that will start October 16th, the Saturday night and the 17th uh, morning. And so then the morning church here would be us preaching down there. So we're just going to start uh, again as we did before all the camps came. And um, the announcements, different announcements are coming to do the restrictions of the border. Maybe, Julie, after you come back from your holiday, they will lessen and, and say there will be no testing. That's what the brothers are praying for on Monday nights in the prayer meeting. That that whole testing thing be utterly destroyed so that the fully vaccinated can come back and forth across the border. And as soon as that happens, we're going to have a camp meeting like we've never had before. And then all the saints will come back here and we'll have a wonderful, wonderful time. So we're looking forward to that. And I just want you to be praying for the anniversary meetings that we're going to be having after 50 years. I think we should do something. And um, God's done uh, something very special within our little assembly. Amen. Well, it started with just a couple making it across and it got to be a handful come across. Now it's over a dozen come across. I say, God, break it down so they can all come across. Amen. I didn't want to, I didn't service at all. I want to leave that little announcement afterwards. That was a wonderful word we heard this morning. So we're going to end in worship, all right? Can we do that this morning? Amen. Yo, dance that in there. Okay. God will not reject your prayer. Praying makes you stronger. have never seen the righteous forsaken, begging for bread and left to suffer. Oh, have patience, just wait and see what God will do. Yeah, please.
you heard today of the word of life we worship you Lord Jesus Heavenly Father we thank you for this little sanctuary where we have been able to gather Lord from the north east south and west 
Lord, you brought a people together, Lord God, to glorify you. Hearing that this morning, we have a purpose. And Lord, that purpose will indeed be crowned. We'll have something to throw at your feet. Lord, that we might glorify you. So, Father God, I just pray that you will be with us this afternoon. Give us wisdom and leadership in the days ahead. May the word of God be paramount within our lives. As the brothers gather now on a Monday night, may the presence of God come into that little room. And Lord, may the glory of God and the praise of your sons as they ascend in the, before the throne of grace, may it be a sweet odor before the throne of God. Bless each one now as we go our way. We've been filled, Lord. We've been fed and we're thankful for your servant. I pray, God, as the days will lay ahead, you will lead us all in the perfect will and mind of God. Saying, Lord, not our will, but thy will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm not a song there. Oh, worship. Simply worship. If you're crying, worship In your trial, worship In your hurting, worship Nothing matters, worship want you to remember now we'll be preparing for these 50th anniversary we'll have a maybe a little group of people sit down and have some brainstorming and going forth i've got calls already and talked to minister brothers and they've already known and recognized it will be our 50th year he said we'll be there we'll just be there so the brothers have been been on my case when are we having a monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday well we need to prepare spiritual muscles So, Lord willing, then, within the first part of next year, we'll be planning for those services. So, God bless you. Greet one another. Nice to see you all this morning. 